helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is about restoring self-esteem. And I will be using the parable of the lost coin to talk about this subject of self-esteem. And it's a very strange passage to be using to talk about self-esteem. But you will see as I go through it that it makes a lot of sense. So don't turn off your radios just now. It will all come together. And I'm going to read the, the parable because it's a very short parable of only three verses. And the parable reads as follows. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who Repents. And that's a passage I'll be using to talk about this topic of restoring self esteem. So here is where I am going with this. First of all, I think there is a lot more that is going on in this story than just about losing one of ten coins. Losing one of ten coins is not a big enough event to cause a celebration with neighbors when it is found. Some commentators say it's about losing one-tenth of her income. But I will suggest that regaining or finding one-tenth of one's income is not a big enough occurrence to make it a community event where you call your friends and your neighbors and rejoice. I don't think there's any of you out there if your stock prices went up by 10%, you would have a celebration, you would have a party to celebrate that your stocks just went up by 10%. And furthermore, people in the Jewish culture gave a tenth of their income regularly. And so it, it, so this would not be a big deal to lose one-tenth of one's income or to find one-tenth of your income. Learning the cultural context of the time makes a world of difference to understanding this parable. The Course and Application Commentary tells us, quote, In Hebrew households of the time when a woman was first married, she would string ten coins together and wear them across her forehead as a public announcement of her marriage. It sometimes took years to save these coins, unquote. So we're hearing here now that it's more than losing a coin. It's more about losing her identity because you see that headdress that she would wear with these 10 coins strung across her forehead would be of no value if one of those 10 coins was missing. It would be like having a diamond ring with the diamonds missing or a part of the ring broken off, a part of your married, your, your wedding band broken off. It was more than just 
ten coins, it had cultural significance. Significance. The Expositor's Bible commentary tells us that, quote, they may have formed a part of the woman's headdress, which being part of her dowry, she constantly wore, unquote. And so we're hearing here now that it is more than just coins. It is about her self-worth. It is about her place in the community. It is about her pride of being a married woman who in those days had to conduct themselves in certain way and wear certain kind of clothes. And so to have that part of the 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 headdress missing would make the entire headdress no good. And so it's no wonder that this woman is so diligently seeking for the lost coin. We know that dowry and bride price is found in the culture of the time. For example, Jacob worked seven years to get the hand of Rachel in marriage. He had to work seven years for her father before he could have the right to marry her. So think about that for a moment. The average minimum salary in Canada today is 25000 So even at minimum wage, this would work out to be about $175,000, working seven years at 25000 a year just to get the hand of Rachel in marriage. So what is involved in in this woman's headdress being part of her dowry would be very, very valuable. It's more than one-tenth of her wages. It probably took several years for that sum to be to be accumulated. And the ten coins, the other nine coins, would be no good as the entire headdress would have been ruined with one part of it falling falling off. So we know from that that there is a lot more going on here than just the fact that she lost one coin. It's about her identity. It's about her image in in the culture. And so as we talk about this story today, the first point I want to suggest is that the lost coin represents her damaged identity. It is one coin, but it affects the whole. When someone has something that happens in their childhood, whether it be sexual abuse, whether it be the divorce, whether it be the divorce of parents or some trauma, such as some terrible accident, that thing might be one incident, but it affects the entire person. And oftentimes the entire self-esteem and the self-context of that person. So the Bible did not tell tell us how this woman came to lose that part of her headdress, that one silver coin. So the Bible leaves it to us to fill in the blanks. So we can apply to our lives and say, how did you lose a part of your self-worth? How did you lose your identity? How did you lose your self-concept? What happened that shaped the negative way in which you see yourself. What it is that took 
place in your past that has led to you feeling that there is something missing in your life. Many people walk around with this sense that something is missing. I am lacking fulfillment. I can't seem to put my finger on what it is. Maybe you have no memory of where that event took place, but you know that there is an emptiness deep inside. There is a void because there is something damaged. So that lost coin, that part of her headdress that is missing, that one coin represents the damage that we carry because we had parents who were abusive or we we had circumstances in our childhood that affected how we see herself. So the second thing we noticed from this story was that there is an act of searching. So the first is the damaged identity. There is something missing. The second thing is that there is an act of searching. And that act of searching represents a a desire to be fulfilled, trying to find fulfillment, trying to fill the void. And humanity in general is searching. People are always trying to fill that void, that empty place that has been created in their lives. And as they try to fill it, they might turn to counterfeit things as a way of silencing that emptiness, as a way of filling that void. So they might try drugs, for example, as a way of trying to fill the emptiness. They might try sex. They might turn to materialism. They might even turn to spirituality. And yes, spirituality can be a way of trying to fill that void, but the void will never be filled if you don't deal with the thing that is missing. Until you find that thing that is missing and deal with it, the void will never be filled. It is a sad thing that many people hide behind their spirituality instead of using it to deal with the pain and the hurt and the emptiness. And so they may carry the biggest Bible or they might quote the most scriptures or they might be the most involved in their congregation. But if that thing that is lost, that they're seeking to fill, if they don't find it, spirituality on the surface will never fill that void. Yes, in Christianity and in Christ, there is great potential to fill that void and to deal with the emptiness. But many of us approach our spirituality on a superficial basis. We use the work of spirituality to to drown out the pain or to avoid the pain that we are feeling instead of bringing the pain to God. So there is this searching that is going on. She's searching. She's trying to fill the void. She's trying to fill the emptiness. And I talk about other things that people use to fill that void, such as drugs and sex and materialism. The the, the truth is that it doesn't matter how much of these counterfeit things you use to fill that void, it will never be filled. 
It doesn't matter how materialistic you get. You will get a million dollars and you will still feel empty. You will buy the most fancy car and the emptiness will still be there. Because you see, it is not about material things. It is about an emotional pain. And material things can never satisfy emotional pain. Some of us might feel unlovable. We might feel as if we're not good enough. So we turn to promiscuity as a way of trying to feel worth, trying to feel love, trying to feel as if we belong. But the more promiscuous we become, the more empty we feel, and the more shame we develop. And so that void cannot be filled by sexual pleasure. It cannot be filled by drug. The thing that is lost has to be found. The third thing that we notice, and I'll talk more about that thing and how how, how you find it and how you deal with it later on. But the other point I want to get to before I get there is to talk about her separation. We notice in this story that the woman is alone. She's in the house. She's in the dark. She's lighting a lamp and she's searching. So that implies to me that before the, the lamp was lit, there was darkness uh, we we know from from uh, Bible commentaries that the house in those times they had very low doorways that you had to stoop to get into, and we know too that the windows were very small. So this woman was probably searching in the day. A lot of time we get the impression that it was night and because there is a lamp. So we are reading our culture into it, that there was darkness outside. But the way the houses were built back then, she was probably in the daytime searching for her identity, searching for that lost coin that represented a part of who she is and how she is seen by others in the society. It is day, but it is dark. And so she is she is separated. She's alone. She's looking. She's in darkness. She's seeking for that thing that is lost. So that thing that is missing separates her. And the point I'm making under this heading is that the thing that we, we have lost, the losses that have come into our lives often separate us from others in our community. We sometimes feel so hurt by others who were supposed to take care of us and love us that we just can't trust anyone. We have been hurt by the first people in our lives, namely our parents, who were supposed to have loved us and have taken care of us, but we cannot trust others because we were let down by those early caregivers, our parents. And so this lady is alone. She is separated. The thing that is missing from her life separates her. There are others outside. They are congregating. They are fellowshipping. They are having relationship. But she is in 
the darkness. She is alone and she's searching because there is something that is missing, something that separates her from the others in her, in her life. So you said, Michael, she has a husband, so how could she be alone? Well, if you think about this story carefully, she may have a husband, but as the story tells us, she is focused and preoccupied in trying to find the thing that is missing. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been using the parable of the lost coin to teach on the topic restoring self-esteem. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-544-3546 where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Back to Michael. And so you may even be in a relationship with someone. You may even be in a family. But that thing that is lost, that thing that is missing, separates you. And you're lonely in a crowd. You're lonely in a marriage. You're lonely in a family. You're lonely in a church. Because that thing which is missing separates you. And some of my clients tell me that, Michael, I have this this feeling of this feeling of not belonging that follows me wherever I go. And I never seem to fit in. I never feel I belong. I feel lonely in a crowd. So this lady, the thing that is lost separates her. She is consumed by it. She is driven by it. She is preoccupied by it. And so it is that the thing that is missing, the thing that we are searching to try to fill, separates us. And it often alienates us from others because we can't trust people we can't we can trust authority figures because authority figures repre- our parents were those first authority figures that let us down and so in many churches you have a lot of conflict where people are trying to usurp the leadership and to take over and they're creating division because they cannot trust the leadership of the church not necessarily because the leadership is flawed we are all flawed people but they they are having this conflict because they have this inability to trust others so her separation uh the, the separation that she is in the state of separation represents broken relationship it it represents addiction to chaos that is caused by pain it represents the recreation of the cycle of abandonment because a lot of times people were abandoned they recreate the cycle of abandonment over and over again by getting into relationship that they know will lead to abandonment And so this separation is a very real thing when we have lost our self-esteem, when we have damaged self-esteem. So the next point I want to talk about is the importance of the light, because now we're coming to the crux of the matter. This is how this woman started 
to deal with the thing that is lost. And you can never replace that which is lost until light is shed into the darkness of your soul. The Bible tells us that thy word, the word of God, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so if you're trying to fill that void in darkness, then you're going to turn to the wrong things. You're going to see something that you think look like that lost coin that you're looking for, but it's actually it's not. And so light is important. The light is important to reveal the missing thing. And so it is important that we note that Jesus often talks about himself as the light. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the source that illuminates the darkness and make you find the thing that you are missing. But what I find sad is that many people, despite the fact that they have uh, this spirituality in Christianity and that, that can lead to them replacing that missing thing, they still walk in darkness. You see, because they, they are walking in the darkness of denial. There are many Christians who go around pretending that everything is okay in their lives, that they have it all together. And they play the part very well. They could win an Oscar for their performance. But deep down, they're hurting and they're falling apart. And in secret, they're not who they portray themselves to be in public. Their partners know it. Members of their families know it. But everyone in the church congregation think that they're a saint because they're walking in the darkness of denial. You can never find that thing that is missing until you come out of that state of denial and, and, and admit that you are sinful, that you have a part of your life that is missing. The Pharisees, they carried this woman to Jesus and was ready to stone her to death for her sins. They were hiding behind their religion. And they were in denial of the fact that there was something missing in their lives. And Jesus, in that act of writing on the ground, shed light on their sins. And then he said, let he who is without sin cast the first blow. And the Bible tells us that they all walked away because they were in denial of their sins. It could also be said that they were doing a, a self-defense mechanism that is known as projection. They were projecting their own sinfulness onto this woman and using her as a scapegoat instead of saying, I have things in my life that I need to deal with. And so it is that many of us, we project outward. We are quick to to, to see the flaws and the faults in others, but we refuse to self-examine. You need to shine the light, let the light shine in your darkness so you can see what it is that you need to deal with. And we all have things that we need to deal with. I'm not being self-righteous here. I'm including myself in this. We all have things in our lives that we need to shine light on and that we need to deal with. We also use the darkness of spiritual deflection, where we use our spirituality to deflect from the hurt and the pain instead of dealing with it. So that darkness will always be with us. 
But the final point that I want to talk about today is the joy of reconnecting with the lost. The Bible tells us that when this woman found the coin, she went to her friends and her neighbors and said, and said, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Notice she didn't say, I have found the last coin. It was something that identified her. It was something that is personal. I have found my lost coin. And I think that's a very powerful statement that is often overlooked because it is something personal. It's not just a coin. It's her identity. It's her self-esteem. And this show today is about restoring self-esteem. And you will never restore self-esteem and have true true joy until you find that which is lost and deal with it. So reconnecting does not mean restoring, but connecting emotionally so that healing can take place. Because there are some things in our life we, we have lost and we can never restore them. For example, a broken relationship, a loved one who is deceased and has caused us uh, uh, caused us to be in, in grief and pain at that loss. We can never restore it. But we can connect, we can reconnect to it emotionally so that we can heal. The opposite is true. Loss brings depression. It brings anxiety and a host of other mental illness. So in other words, when that thing is lost and you haven't reconnected with it emotionally, you have sort of put it in the black box of your life and locked it away in some closet. And I don't want to deal with it because it's too painful, it's too shameful, and I want to forget it. That kind of approach to life will only perpetuate the pain. You can only deal with the loss by reconnecting with it emotionally. So many of my clients, they reconnect through journaling about what has happened, who, when, why, where, how. That's reconnecting. And all the studies show that journaling is a very powerful way of dealing with past losses, part past trauma. So maybe your loss is the loss of innocence. Maybe it is the loss of value. You have been devalued, sexually abused, ridiculed, cursed by others. Whatever it is, whatever the loss is, reconnecting with it is what brings joy. The Bible tells us that when this woman found it, it brought her great joy. Maybe it's the loss of family because of a divorce. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one through death. But whatever it is, reconnection is the answer. Not evading, not avoiding, but connecting with it in an emotional way. So, reconnection means facing the truth of your loss, accepting it as part of your experience, dealing with it, and moving on. Reconnecting with loss reconnects this woman to her community. She is no longer separated. She is no longer unable to trust others. She is no longer unable 
to, to, to congregate and to feel apart. This feeling of aloneness no longer haunts her. She is rejoicing with her community. And so reconnection is a very important step. Jesus encouraged us to reconnect with their, encourage the disciples to reconnect with their deepest pain when he told them that whenever they meet, they were to celebrate, they were supposed to celebrate his death and his resurrection through the communion, the emblems of the communion. It's ironic that many Christians believe you should forget your past hurt and move on when Jesus told his disciples to remember whenever they meet. So we have quickly come to the end of today's show. So I want to thank you for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show and for if you and for listening to this show week after week. And I'd just like to invite you that if you have a question reach out to us. We'll be happy to answer your questions. You can find out more about us at our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. We also want to invite you to consider making a donation to this ministry, this Christ-centered ministry. Donation helps us to stay on the air, and donations also help us to continue to produce shows like this one. So if you enjoyed this show, if you found this helpful and enlightening, please consider making a donation to us. We also want to let you know that we have almost 300 other podcasts like this one on our YouTube channel. If you just search in Elam Counseling Services in YouTube, you will see uh, all the shows that we have on our YouTube channel. And remember to subscribe. It helps us to make this show visible to others online. So we want to thank you so much for being with us today. I pray that God would keep you safe. I want to pray that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. <music>